Signs of the Southland, July 9th, 2022. Mr. Graham, Mr. Purdy, we uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties uh, when we tried to record this episode on Monday, and the week was so busy that we uh, were forced to record this on the following Saturday morning. How do we feel about noon kickoffs, y'all? Honestly, normal weeks make for long days and we don't get these in on a Sunday so this is kind of kind of nice uh I, I don't know you know there, there's really pros and cons both ways but I don't know how about you Jack I'm feeling five days wiser I think I think we can fit this I think we can be a little bit more intelligent than maybe we could have been five days ago so don't hey. give don't give me too much credit I I exist at a bare level of non-intelligence <laughs> it's spread across the board it averages out I'm sure. Well, well, thank you for being generous, at least. So on the docket for today, we'll talk a little bit about Jack's experience with the Atlanta Dream and his uh, press credential this past week. We'll talk a little bit about tech construction, and then we will talk about everyone's favorite topic du jour, conference realignment, and the ACC's uh, three three five schedule model. But first, Mr. Purdy, tell us about the Atlanta Dream versus, I believe, the Washington Mystics. Yes, it was the Mystics in my pursuit to better learn the women's basketball landscape going into the tech season in November. I was like, hey, can I come? And they're like, yeah, you can come. I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, And so I got to hang out there. I got there about an hour before tip just to see what the place is like. I mean, it's smaller than McCamish, so it's it's not exactly a bustling energy source, but it was a fun time. Uh, yeah, the Mystics put the smack down on the Dream. It was tied after a quarter, uh, but Deldon, who was their really tall center, just outmaneuvered everybody, had her highest scoring game in three years with, I want to say, somewhere, with, I think it was like 25, 29 points, somewhere in there. Um, but it was really cool to see, go to a Dream game in, in a press spot and not, exclusively trying to just watch Lorella Kubai play, which more on that later. Um, uh, the dream lost. They have, they are now, they, they played in the mystics four times, lost all four times. Um, it's just a young team versus a veteran team. So that's about the entire story there, but really cool to see Ryan Howard is at all-star weekend uh, as well in a three point shootout and the skills competition. That is this weekend in Chicago, right? Yes. That is today. That Wow. Okay. Well, that shows how much I've kept up with the WNBA recently. Uh, Mr. Grant, anything to add on noted WNBA corner here? I mean, I wasn't there, but uh, definitely making plans to go before the end of the season. So uh, should, should be good. I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a sport that I have started following more since uh, tech women's basketball has become, you know, good uh Relevant, so yeah yeah I, I look forward to having more you know tech opportunities i, I mean we'll, like we said we'll talk about lorella kabai in a bit but i think that's uh you know it, it's just good to see at least i, I don't want to just pat us on the back but like jack like good on you for going i mean it's uh you know it's an yeah, emerging gonna... sport and an emerging emerging market and i feel like you know it's kind of right in our wheelhouse to support them in the same vein that we do with like tech uh, yeah athletics in general I, I will note i i didn't go to their game last sunday against the storm when i think it was it was sue birds last time here and the, the place sold out so they will sell out the gateway the wednesday game was at eight o'clock so it was like half crowd but it was eight o'clock on a school night and whatnot so hard hard one there um but yeah can i just do i can just roll into construction corner if we want to go i had now. one thing i had one okay. thing before we talk about construction updates around campus I expected Jake to say something along the lines of I've only gotten into the WNBA when I realized that the Chicago sky were at the top of the table, because if you look at the standings right now, Chicago sky 16 and six, 10 and two in conference yeah, they're good. Uh, at number one, right above the Las Vegas aces, the Atlanta dream 10 and 12, sixth, uh, sixth in the conference. Well, There's, these I, are single table standings. It looks like, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the funny thing is there's a, a decent amount of Chicago media. Not that this is a Chicago podcast, but Chicago media that's one third of Chicago podcast about you know oh my goodness the Cubs are in a rebuild the Blackhawks are past rock bottom 
you know, the Bears, who knows? The White Sox were supposed the to be. The Arlington Heights Bears, as I've always said. Mediocre. And I'm like, you know, the fire are crap too. But like Red hey, Stars. Hey, hey, hey. Red Stars are doing great. Sky. Sky are doing great. Yeah, Minor league great. hockey. Doing great. Uh, the the Indie League baseball teams uh, around town doing pretty well. Um, it's it's not your traditional, like, big sports good times, but I don't know. I can't say that I was a Sky fan before I left the city either. So, you know, that's uh, probably something to do with an uptick in interest, at least on my part. Notable Chicago Red Stars, 10 games played, uh, plus seven goal differential, 19 points, second in the second in the league in the NWSL. So look at that look at that. It's all takes. right behind right behind San Diego, who has 11 games played, 21 points. Important. They're in an international break. Also, that's not Georgia Tech sports. So we're going to switch gears back over to Georgia Tech and talk about some construction updates, which Mr. Purdy has prepared. Yes, I was there yesterday for a quick flyby. Uh, managed to catch a peek of every catch a peek of pretty much everything. Um, there's a large. I mean, there's. I think we mentioned this last time we talked about the projects, but basically the whole walkway in between uh, the first theater to MRDC. A lot of it to, towards MRDC in that big old grass space where they moved the ice cream sculpture has a massive fence around it. Um, like, uh, so I don't know if that means. I don't think they're tearing up the pathway although it did get pretty bumpy this year where there's bricks uh so that's happening there were people on top of the bogs roof as well like the short the shorter one not the really tall part of bogs uh so i i think they're maybe doing some roofing stuff there um there is less fencing around the student center so the, those pavement blocks are getting finished and whatnot so they're able to not like i guess they're done with some of the facades on the outside um, and then the rec garage has a roof now i saw a bunch of people i think painting the top of it or putting rolling some sort of something on top of it but at least you in theory could put something under it and it'll stay dry um and the technique shop thin roof <laughs> no one knows yeah. how dry it'll stay but yes. there is something there is at least a cover it. now there is a cover there's no there's no walls yet um and then i think stuff is getting moved into the student center now um i checked the tech the old technique office which wasn't in flag and is moving into the student center and their stuff was all gone so at the, at the very least, stuff is happening. Um, they're on schedule. So if you're listening and you got a kid going to campus, uh, it, do expect some new things than if maybe you were there when you visited in January or something like that. I uh, well, I, one thing I got before something. you, but go ahead. I was going to say because I just wanted to get the uh, wow, we're talking all over each other. I wanted to say because I wanted to get the the uh, schedule in front of me. It is, um, I think it's supposed to be done by the start of classes this fall for the oh, most yeah, no, part, yeah. Yeah, the I student think. center will be fully up the student center will be fully operational by by fall i think uh i i think the the rec garage has some notable slowness around it too but uh i think it's funny that the main point is that it has a roof when having seen the renders uh honest uh honestly for our newer listener listeners uh, you may know that Jack is a big technique guy, uh, but Akshay and I long ago were in the Ramblin' Rec Club and having seen the Many renders of that ago. thing over the years, that thing is going to be all roof, like <laughs> even more so than like floor space or interior space. Expect a lot of roof with that one. Just a, it, a lot, I a lot think of roof. Most of the footprint of that is covered by roof. <laughs> the walls aren't at the edge there's like a big overhang it's yeah that makes sense i mean you'd want an overhang so people can come look at it and yeah have, have a dry Ooh, there's a and... full screen camera sorry i'm looking through the campus center website now <laughs> <laughs> uh but i can give you a live update based on the camera feed uh i'll, I'll share this with you all in a second but yes they finished uh there's still a bunch of construction around the campanile so that's not done uh the main walkway that is uh adjacent to tech's there's like a basically brand new walkway that goes down by Tech Square or Tech Green. Um, yeah, yeah, that whole two... looping thing that they put in uh, to make it ADA compliant. Yeah, so there's, and then they still have some of the, like there's similar stair areas, like the uh, stadium seating. There's a couple of those stairs around the way. Um, the actual, it looks like the actual building facade is done. And that explains why they're, the actual literal building is done. 
Um, so that explains why they're moving people in and out of there. But there's a bunch of landscaping work that has to yeah that has to be that's been perpetual. Here. I don't think they're done with the fountain yet either. Yeah, I mean, well, it's people they're done people with the fought, fountain in that it's been raining all day and the fountain is full. People fought <laughs> tooth and nail to make sure that uh, water stayed involved there. So I I do appreciate that uh, that long fight that went through there because that's been a honestly a marquee of that whole area since i guess the campanile went in if not before i'm yeah, not the as familiar with yeah that's an olympic setup for that plaza but, but yeah i do remember them having the flat well i guess this wasn't during our time but if you look at pictures of the campanile from 96 they did used to have all the flags like they had national flags around that plaza i wonder if those come back at some point but uh, that's maybe they just moved them all into the literal flag building that's what uh, Tech Parkway used to look like too. Um, they uh, they had flags lining oh. Tech Parkway like up from like Guggenheim area, I guess, going towards. Yeah, it would start at Guggenheim. Where would that the was already there. up there? Um, Tech Parkway from Guggenheim through to like Regents, like the pool, that yep. kind of intersection up at the top of the hill. I mean, considering that was a literal Olympic venue, kind of makes sense <laughs> to have it there. Um, but I think that about does it for our construction updates. Let's talk about something else that's under construction, the ACC's football schedule. I can see you grimacing at that segue. It was awesome. I will not apologize for it. The ACC has decided to institute a 3-3-5 schedule model that is three non-conference games three permanent rivals or three permanent just opponents and then five rotating conference opponents to make up your schedule i believe i'm missing one more non-conference game in there but counting is for cowards this means the end of the acc coastal as we know it uh the conference championship in charlotte will be uh will be between the two teams that have the best conference record. So it's a single table model, not a two division double table model. So those are the changes. Tech's alignment, Tech's permanent rivals here are Clemson, Wake Forest, and Louisville. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, I want to go to you, Jack. Before we get into talking about Tech's specific allotment of opponents, did this model, does this model, this pod-like model make sense to you? What were your thoughts about it? I do enjoy it because it enhances the diversity of opponent. And I think it flattens, it flattens the ACs, just the, the competitive balance a little bit here. A, a lot of what I don't like about the division model is how locked in you get into so few opponents with this, with how big the conferences are getting now. Like for the, like the SEC West is the part that I, that it doesn't infuriate me. It's incredibly entertaining, but because you've got Mississippi, you got the Mississippi teams, the Bama teams, uh, Arkansas and LSU in there. It's just insane. It's just insanely packed, and you only ever play them all the time. Um, you only got one cross division rival there, and the ACC has basically done the same thing. Um, and so to be able to have more schedule variety, I think is that's just fun as a for the consumption part of it. I think it makes it balances things out a little bit more because you've got fewer permanent opponents. Um, which I don't think is a thing we're going to need going forward. And as we go on to this podcast, might be a thing that we realize just won't ever happen at some point, depending on how conferences or the lack thereof balance out. So that's, that's my initial hot thought there. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I agree. I think more diversity is better. I really was going to make a pedantic point about it not being pods, but I think we're just a little bit far beyond that. I, I think the diversity is pods adjacent. But my, my, my real issue, my real uh, qualm is not with the idea, it's with the execution. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of tech-specific uh, content on that in probably about 10 seconds. So, Yeah, I think, Jake, your consternation with this model when we were preparing for this episode last week and earlier this week was just it's, it's more tech-focused and it's more tech in your opinion, it seems like tech got screwed, right? In terms of the opponents that it got, and not from a competitive perspective, uh, but from a okay. Well, I'll let you. I'll let you go. I don't want to take word. I don't want to put words in your mouth. 
first off, any school that plays Clemson is going to be, you know, facing a tougher strength of schedule uh, or, or, you know, just historic uh, strength, I guess. And you're looking at Wake and essentially some of the best football they've ever played. Louisville had a, you know, top five uh, appearance within the last five years or six years. So, you know, it, it's definitely a, a tough slate, but really my problem isn't so much with that. It, you know, I, I expected to get Clemson. They're probably our truest rival in the conference in the traditional sense of that. But, you know, and, and I think you can kind of expect to get a second, uh, a second team that matters and a third team that might be a throwaway. It might be good. And I think in this case, we see Tech getting not one, but two schools, which we have negligible history, fan interest, or connection to. And I say that as somebody who personally has a stake in, in seeing us play Louisville. I think that in some year, someday could make a lot of sense, right? A, a, a big Southern up-and-coming city, big Southern up-and-coming city, the uh, little brother of their state SEC school. Yes, we are. We can own it. They are too. They can own it. You know, all, all the kind of uh, stuff at play for, for them is kind of similar to what we see on, and at least some levels that can draw interest. But I mean, I, I'm going to be frank, like us playing Wake Forest uh, and Duke getting NC State when the two natural pairings of Duke and Tech and, and Wake Forest and NC State were right there. I mean, that's borderline just negligence on the part of the ACC. Uh, and, and granted, maybe you look at the slate Clemson, Duke, Louisville, a little bit more friendly, but just between, like, I guess that second tier of groupings, right? Duke, our longest played consistent opponent. Uh, FSU, our, you know, close geographic rival. Uh, Miami, uh, you know, a team that we've played every year for a while now and have had a great series with Virginia Tech, arguably the only good thing to come out of conference realignment for Georgia Tech just one of those four schools. It doesn't even need to be two of them. You know, give us Louisville or or even Wake in that third spot. Fine, whatever. But like, I don't know. They they just clearly got to the end of the list because you look at UNC, you look at um, Clemson and, and they get, you know, three very prominent schools that matter to them. And I don't think it's small, uh, small, um, what do you want to say? I don't think it's insignificant. There we go. That uh, those are also, you know, the, the conference basketball power with a giant uh, fan base and alumni base and the conference football power with uh, a giant fan base and, and national attention. So, you know, just tech really got the the short end of a short stick. I think I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, the pods right now, or the, 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 the trios Duke is the only school that got all of their, all their every year games in their state. They got Wake, NC State, North Carolina. And I mean, but like North Carolina is going to get Virginia because that's the longest played contiguous rivalry in the history of the sport. Yeah. Wait, like, over, wait, Princeton's got to have longer ones. I, I don't mean, think consistently, but consistently played. Yeah. That's a sidebar. Virginia, North Carolina is the South's oldest rivalry. It's even longer than UGA Auburn, which is, you know, commonly held as unkillable around here because you know those are the people we interact with more but unfortunately I mean, the, his, the historical significance of of carolina versus virginia is rather immense and, and shouldn't be understated it's not like they got some random out-of-state school there <laughs> not at all yeah yeah I, jack i think you fall on more of a not necessarily apathetic but more of a this is fine yeah yeah i'm not yeah it comes to this right i I mean i grew up i I will one thing i've i guess i'm pawn for the reflections i did grow up in an sec household so like this kind of stuff the rivalry stuff mattered my mom went to princeton too so like both both my parents were entrenched at least in the sporting side of things of very old very classic america like just the founding of like college rivalries were partly because of clemson and partly because of auburn um but so when I got to SEC, when I got to ACC part, it was just like I didn't have I didn't have a real connection with a lot of these schools outside of Tech and just being around it for so many years, uh, and then seeing Clemson get really good. So I I never had any emotional attachment to any pairing of these schools. Like I mean, if even if we stop playing Georgia, which I know will never happen, like 
it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. Also, there might be another win on the schedule in the future. But all that to say, yeah, I, I'm not. This doesn't. This doesn't kill me at all. I mean, I prefer the variety in the scheduling. The ACC. The, the AC doesn't have the kind of personality that's like so massive that like taking it away is going to kill college football either. Uh, at this point, and we're start, we're starting to really realize that as the Big Ten kind of makes their makes their moves. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the variety and whatnot just appeals to me. It, it, it makes it, it just makes my sport happy part in my brain go, go off a little bit more than any, any other part, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, the, wh- who we get, I mean, also I, I mentioned this before we recorded, we're one of the few schools that stuck with two powerhouses every year on our schedule with Clemson and Georgia. The only ones I could think of were whoever gets Michigan and Ohio state in a big year. I forgot who plays both of them. And then Auburn plays Georgia and Bama every year. Tennessee does the same thing. Uh, and then you can throw LSU kind of in that mix as you see, but it, it's, we're in the, we're one of the very few schools that's going to get shoehorned into something very rough every year. And that's just how it's been for so long. And so maybe this changed might it long-term help us get out of a crappy situation when we're not good. Yeah. And I, I think, I saw a stat or a table from Ken Segura, the AGC, that had the win percentage, the opponent win percentage of the 2023 schedule before and after this model goes into place. Um, so the original version uh, from last year uh, and then this this new version. Yeah. Um, and the scheduled strength for Georgia Tech doesn't change, right? I think it went from like point. 6-0 win percentage to 0.61 but like yeah because yeah the teams that win the most we kept both of them on our schedule yeah forever. like it doesn't I, I think that's where i'm at right like this is fine because it doesn't change the calculus for for tech in terms of how seasons go right i think outside of clemson in, a, in years that georgia tech football is competent most of that acc schedule is going to be 50 50s uh, like yeah on paper, 50-50s, maybe not if you look at the stats, but just like, okay, well, you've now made the entire plane out of the coastal instead of the coastal being the only plane, right? Um, and so, it, that, but that was how the coastal was before. And so nothing has, nothing has changed in my mind. Like, I'll, okay, I'll make we one play more. FSU. Okay, we play North Carolina State, but like NC State is – a permanently addicted to mediocrity, which for better or for worse is, I mean, that, that happens. FSU is currently trying to find its own way. Miami is put sometimes puts together building blocks of competence and then sort of crumbles it all away. Like if nothing has changed to me is, is my yeah. bottom line. Like I do not feel like anything has changed significantly. I understand the history argument, but like, if you're looking at this from a competitive balance, this big picture, Georgia Tech football needs to be competent in the next X number of years. The ACC schedule is not where not where that edge comes in, not where that transition comes in. It's the non-con on the outsides of it. I'll make one more point. I like how by getting rid of the divisions, you get rid of I mean, while coastal madness is fun as heck. I, I do like how you avoid the situation that the NFL falls into as well, where in theory a losing team makes the playoffs or the postseason in some form or fashion. So in the years where our division was just hot garbage or what do you, at any point of divisions, hot garbage, and you get someone who definitely should not be in the championship games in the championship game. That's gone. I like that. Jake, you got the last word. I think the one redeeming thing is, yeah, we can complain about not seeing XYZ team every year, but at the very least we'll see them every other year. Cause we are guaranteed to see every team every other year. And that is a massive massive step forward for fan interest for players to be able to get to see other places for competitive balance in the conference i i don't think uh i don't think that is uh i don't think my qualms are nearly enough to outweigh that very good fact you know we'll see vt in two years or in one year you know that's that's life and maybe after 2026 they shake things up or make a couple tweaks or something like that or maybe they completely redo it entirely and, and say, hey, we're going to give everyone uh, three new pairs. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And it's possible that things do get redone entirely because, folks, it's conference realignment season yet again. The ACC not involved yet. 
but USC and UCLA are on the move to the Big Ten. This news broke right around the beginning of the holiday weekend last week, and we had recorded a hit on this, but technical difficulties, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about what we know right now about why this move happened, and let me give you a short summary. Uh, The Big Ten is already paying out upwards of $50 million per team per year and their next media rights deal, the next TV rights deal uh, in a combination with Fox and ESPN will probably be worth around $1 billion and increasing, obviously, and increasing that annual payout year over year. Um, USC specifically, per uh, some reporting by The Athletic, was not happy that the Pac-12 did not continue the sweetheart deal that the two LA schools had uh, for TV revenue sharing, uh, much like if you've ever heard about Boise State's TV deal with the MWC, where they get a larger portion of TV revenue because they are a larger driver of TV revenue for that conference. In this case, it was more a, yo, we're in LA, everything costs more, so pay us more situation. Um, but the Pac-12 made all of their payouts equal when it went to 12 teams in the last round, so that kind of soured that particular situation. Uh, USC actually instigated all of these talks. Uh, They dragged UCLA along with them. This was not a situation where the Big Ten invited invited these two schools. It was more, from what it looks like based on reporting is, and some speculation, I'm not going to go super far out of limb here. It looks like like we talked about with the Oklahoma and Texas thing last year, it looks like uh, some media networks have talked into some athletic directors' ears and been like, hey, do you want more money? Do you want to, uh, you, you want more TV money to fund your athletic department? Well, uh, maybe you uh, move some dominoes, you move some pieces on the chessboard and uh, go over to this conference and make that money and make, you, make yourself solve it. So I think in summary, with... OU in Texas moving to the SEC and then USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. You're starting to see really in full flight the idea of the Super League and the Super Leagues happening. Um, I think we thought there was a little bit more time until that was going to happen, but it's obviously going to happen as of 2024. It looks like 2024, 2025. Mm -hmm. Jake, as the resident historian, I want your thoughts on this first. How do you feel about this? I mean, (laughs) you know, maybe it's a little bit chicken little-ish to say this is the end of college football as we know it, but or college sports as we know them, even. I I don't think you can confidently say that it's not, though. Uh, I mean, there's really no measure that you can say that this is about improving the experience for fans about improving the experience for athletes. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, everybody wants the biggest, newest, best thing and to compete with the biggest and best of the teams. But really, the, the, the draw for college football is regionality and sending you know, UCLA to, to East Lansing or, or having to be from West Lafayette and, and trying to make your way to an away game in Los Angeles every year or every other year that's pretty unreasonable. And I think it's just going to tank uh, abilities to get, you know, a, a decent crowd, decent fan base, and, and you lose the familiarity, right? Half the appeal of college football is in tradition and, and a decent chunk of it is in, you know, familiarity of rivals of stadiums of, you know, going up against your neighbor, you know, that's, that's what makes it not the NFL, right? It, this just seems like a move towards the NFL and it's no small coincidence that, now, as everyone plus us has pointed out, that the Big Ten map essentially looks like MLB in the immediate post uh, Dodgers and, and Giants move era. Like that, that's really kind of telling, I think. Jack, your thoughts? It's so wild that when UCLA plays Rutgers, it's the same as if Rutgers is playing a university in Reykjavik in terms of travel. Like it's. There we, the the, the, ge- the geographics are just not a thing, at least in this for this particular moment in this particular group. Um, I what I don't like a lot is that this is progressing towards basically a North Conference and a South Conference in some form or fashion, um, which draws on a lot of old United States history and just how culturally that has been a thing. 
or and still is in a lot of ways and so i and also at the same time it's like it could be that but i also could see how this the football part breaks away and then you just kind of reset with everyone playing their local rivals again because then they have more autonomy um whatever generates more money and generates more autonomy for the football part of this is likely where i think this goes because there's no over there's no football governing body like there is in other countries or other sports like you have your they, they just governments set this kind of stuff up and we don't have that we have the antitrust thing for baseball and that's all they got um so there's no there's no way to check this um it's just gonna be it, unless there's some insane rebellion or some sort of like protest movement like i don't see how any of this really stops um with the, at least the, re, the realignment part um and where that goes i mean how tech falls into this is something what we do know and what is not surprising is that everyone's phones are ringing off the hook i mean at least in the at least in the ad offices like if i imagine stansbury has had hours upon hours of calls in the last two weeks even before the usc usc ucla part of like all right what's going on here how many times have we talked to notre dame which is another big stumbling block in this whole thing as we'll get to mm-hmm. um so yeah that, i mean the having we, we talked to them, I mean, we did the, the failed recording and then since then i'm surprised nothing's happened in the last five days uh at least nothing major beyond a lot of rumors of like the big 12 doing stuff and various packages of acc teams going to the sec or the big 10 but nothing nothing concrete yet which i think is nice um and just in terms of we're not we're, we're still fair staring at a chance to do this smartly um for for a lot of other reasons so yeah that's where i'm at now well let's let's use that as a jumping off point let's talk about where the acc is at right now in this picture right we talked about the big 10 having about 50 million dollars per team per year uh with their current and then their uh, soon to be uh media rights deal with fox so there's that's where they are the SEC and their new media uh, rights deal with ESPN that took them off of the SEC on CBS contract, that is also around $50 million and increasing per team per year. So you have these two, this big two situation where these two leagues are making way more money than anyone else. And then you have the, SEC, the, the ACC in that next tier down who has a very interesting TV revenue situation because it honestly, in the big scheme of things, it basically just signed its new TV deal with ESPN for the ACC network. That was only 2018, right? It hasn't been that long. Um, That, that tied all of these teams, including Notre Dame down with the, you know, this grant of rights concept that tied all these teams, media rights to uh, the ACC until 2036 uh, the deal currently pays out around 25 to $28 million per team per year. So you can see just that revenue shortfall between the Big Ten and the ACC and why a jump like that for a Notre Dame specifically might be really attractive, right? So Notre Dame's, and Notre Dame's case is very, very unique in that because Notre Dame has their NBC TV contract and they like their independence of football. Um, but all of their other sports are in the ACC uh, for all other competitions, but because they don't have the football rights packaged in all Notre Dame has to do, at least per reports is they spend, I think it's around uh, $10 million over the, for each of the next 15 years to buy out their, to buy out their share of the, the ACC grant of rights. So that's $150 million. If you're getting $50 million per year from the big 10 for all of your sports, not just your non-revenue sports, well, you're going to pay off that $150 million debt in short order. Right. Yeah. So I think you mentioned, you were sort of hinting at this earlier and I want to dive into that a little bit. Notre Dame seems like the linchpin here, right? For yeah. for whatever conference action happens. And I know you're not a Notre Dame expert, Jack, but what is you, and, and you don't have any insider information. I don't think any of us not do on Notre Dame, but what do you think, given that situation, what do you think Notre Dame does and how does that affect the rest of the ACC? Yeah, I mean, all this is theorizing. I th- well, let me go with what I think and what I hope happens. I hope- Use your therapy forward. words. I think and I feel. Yes, I, I think- they will fold into the Big Ten 
because of the USC thing that they're there and they can protect both of their yearly yearly games with Ohio State and them. Hold up, 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 hold up. All right, go, go, go. Notre Dame is not an Ohio State rival traditionally. Michigan. That's not an annual game. The the off and on big deal one in 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 reality is Michigan. Michigan State a little bit less. Sorry, I also mistook Stanford for the other game they have every year. And that's right. That's right. Not a, and, not a Notre Dame expert yeah. here. I was going to say, but Notre Dame again is going to be interesting because yes, Michigan, a tier below that, you know, your Michigan States, your Purdue's, uh, a sprinkle of Indiana or Northwestern. I did not go with the Midwestern correspondent first for this. Yeah, but, that should have been him. But Notre Dame at the same time has established histories of playing Boston College, of playing Pitt, of playing Georgia Tech, uh, in particular. You know that uh, that they're they're hard to nail down. In, in addition to the Stanford, USC, um, and, and Navy uh, annual must-haves, and that makes it, you know, uh, a really the school like there's a reason they've clung to this independence. And and sure, there's a lot of schools in the past that were independent that maybe your Penn State doesn't fit as well. I mean, obviously now they've been in the Big Ten for a long time, but like yeah. you know, their traditional matchups are going to be your Syracuse, your um, you know, Pitt, your West Virginia, uh, even Virginia Tech, um, as much as they do get along well playing Ohio State and Michigan State, that's still not necessarily a traditional market either. Uh, and Notre Dame is really the last independent, the last true independent, because they are strong enough to do that fan base wise, but also they just have such a diverse array of, of that draw, right? Between, between the West Coast, um, the, the ACC, so the East and the Southeast, and all those traditional Midwestern proximity rivals and proximity being a really, really key phrase there. Yeah, they sit yeah. in the middle of everything. So yeah. they, they can touch they 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 are one of the few schools that can touch both coasts naturally. Um and have the history to prove that as well. And I don't think that playing a Big Ten schedule for them inhibits a true Big Ten schedule inhibits them from playing um, there are other rivalry games, right? They have Navy on the schedule every year. They're, yeah. I mean, USC and the what is it, Jeweled Shylock? That's going to be a conference game in this. Yeah, scenario. they they only they, they they add one now as a conference game, and then make uh, the only out of conference yearly would be Navy and Stanford now. But but at the same time, you get Michigan back yearly or almost yearly, so like that yeah. does make a lot of sense. Right, and then I I mean, there's a lot of a lot of smoke. Well, not even smoke. There's a lot of talk, a lot of capital P posting, as I like to say, about Stanford's situation, um, Stanford and Cal specifically, their situation when it comes to the Big Ten and, and conference realignment. So it's possible in this weird new new age that we live in, maybe Stanford makes a jump to the Big Ten or the Big Ten uses Stanford as a carrot to get Notre Dame, right, to, make, to, to even up the numbers. So maybe... Maybe you have a situation with all where all of Notre Dame's traditional rivalry games, other than other than Navy, are are in the Big Ten, and that becomes a big draw for them. So, yeah. it's not to make the whole plane here out of Notre Dame. I do want to touch on the rest of the ACC, right? Because there is some, I don't know, I don't know if credible threat is the right word, but that there's at least the risk of this loose conglomeration of basketball schools and the occasional football school and whatever the hell Louisville calls himself. Um, like a, a, this union. a softball school. Sorry. No, um, <laughs> but it's, I, uh, it's this, it's this very loosely. I commonly identified group breaking apart, especially well, when you think about how cheap it is to kill the ran- the grant of rights for each school. Right. Well, I, I think it's, the ACC's death has been sung of many a time. Uh, I think it's a conference that, you know, in its traditional basketball heavy heyday did have a really clear identity, right? It was the North Carolina Southeast basketball conference. Um, I, I think though, the biggest thing that we need to touch on versus what the situation was on Tuesday, the first time we attempted this recording is the fact that Swim Swam's editor-in-chief is out here attempting to break news about FSU, Clemson, UNC, and Virginia. Somehow this is in all this is in most of our wheelhouses. 
considering like, it's swim swam, which is and they've been getting hilariously dunked on for this to their they should no no yeah. no swim coach is going to be the one in the know here and and i do think it's funny that some of the people dunking on them are like unc wouldn't go anywhere without duke well virginia's you know maybe not the basketball significance but in terms of institutional alignment and that you know whole longest played football dealio like that it's not insignificant there but at the, at the same time like Swim Swam's not going to be breaking news. And I think at this point, we've heard between Notre Dame, uh, Tech, FSU, Clemson, UNC, Virginia. I- I'm sure I've heard some sort of pit to the Big Ten somewhere. I, I can't nail that down to a single I mean, team, I've but- heard, like, let's take this package of schools from the ACC and the Pac-12 and then add them to the Big 12, too. Like, yeah. There's just a lot of yeah. posting, a lot and, of capital P posting. But my point, my point there was going to be that at this point, I've heard some ridiculous nonsense tied to well more than half the conference. Like it, when everyone's yeah. posting and speculating and rumor mongering, you know, like, yeah, certain things stick in your craw more than other things. But how do you even like, like none? It can't all be real. So I think you got to take it as closer to grains of salt than anything you know close to actual yeah i think it's just again there's a lot of capital p posting everyone has an opinion on this i mean there's there's a reason why we're doing a podcast on this everyone has an opinion on this right um and especially i want to find the tweet i saw because it was a very good take on this but I think it was from Matt Brown in a piece for the New York Times with Jane Coaston. He said something along the lines of like college football and college sports are very provincial, right? And and this is something that you touched on earlier, Jake, like college sports are very provincial and you didn't go to like the media market of Cleveland. Like we didn't go to the media market of Atlanta. We went to Georgia Tech and there is something so meaningful and so personal in that sort of identification that it affects the way that we think about this and affects how we talk about this because it's at points and like you, you touched on, it does feel like the end of an era, right? It, the end of a truly egalitarian, well, philosophically egalitarian, not in, in reality era in college football. Right. Yeah. I think, I think college football has inarguably been moving in a direction this way uh, for a long time. Obviously, you know, last summer's changes are, are a big part of that too, but I, I don't know. It's, it's also tough to see, right? It, it's, it's tough to see in the, yes, we don't actually know what's happening kind of sense, but also in the, like, I don't know. It, it just seems like we're losing something and I don't think we'll truly know what how how significant that loss is until the dust settles right like it's one thing for the long long time listeners like pre jeff collins listeners of the podcast like for us to when that happened be like oh like space cords are gone can't really put on what our our finger on like what that changes about the game day experience but it feels different and i don't like it you know like in the same vein that like little things like that you don't really realize uh the effects in the moment right and and how it changes even the little like things that make a game feel different than just like it's minor league football or minor league basketball. I I don't think we'll truly know what that, that world's going to be like until gosh, five, 10 years like that until we know what's going to happen. I don't like the world's different. The world's changing and it's not going to stop. And I don't even think we can assess what our enjoyment or our, dedication or our connection to the product is going to be because that's what it is these days it's a product like i I mean it's 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 arguably actually probably inarguably always been a product but it just feels like it's becoming less of a a unique thing and more of a commodity yeah do we do we want to touch on how this impacts the windfall of the rest of the college sports landscape beyond just the football part because that is that's a really good point um, I, and I had something on it and I seemed to have missed it, but I, I, I think a lot of these decisions, and sorry, I've taken your thunder because you did a really good job of introducing it, but uh, 
a lot of these moves, I think I, unabashedly, all of these moves are about football, right? I mean, every context that we talked about these moves in are, are football related. We haven't talked about like, I mean, Jake has mentioned basketball a little bit, but you're not making this, you're not making a $150, you're not paying $150 million exit fee from the, from the ACC just because of UNC Duke basketball. You're paying it because the Big Ten is paying you on or $50 million per year for your football rights and yep. ensuring that the that the golden goose that lays those eggs continues to lay golden eggs right so yeah, I, yeah the, I mean the other parts of this that fall into it is like I mean, we've looked at the like a text recent financial stuff that's out there and like seeing just how much money is coming to football versus everything else and it is as much as you think it is even when we had our lowest attendance in 30 something years like it still was like it for 20 i don't know since 89 that's what i remember the agency putting up um like it still was a hefty proportion of the money that we are getting that is also getting spent on football with a lot left over for the rest of the sports thankfully um to yeah. still at least be to, to operate well enough and pay their coaches enough um yeah, yeah I, I was gonna say that the last time i looked through the the frs report the ncaa financial report and I, and again this comes with a grain of salt because I think quoting Matt Brown again, there are lies, damned lies in NCAA financial reports. So <laughs> keep that in mind. But the Georgia Tech Athletic Association is running about a something around like a one, like right around a $1 million surplus or, or $1 million profit based on their expenses and revenues from uh, financial year 21. I can could, I could just pull up the report. But the big thing from there is that they made, and if I scroll, 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 it's very telling that I had this available to me uh, immediate. So they made, uh, in financial year 21, $86 million in total operating revenues, and $25 million of that is media rights. So just doing a little quick math here, that is 29%, roughly 29% of your, um, your uh, operating revenue comes from yeah. the ACC rights deal. And you have any infringement on that amount and you're talking about not being able to pay for a different, like a sport or something. Yeah. And right. also we're not title nine compliant yet either. We, I went back and ran like what, you, what we need to add to get to that point. And we just need to add one soccer-ish size team. Golf won't do the trick. We got to add like a team, like a full sport, no, not full sport, like, a, a full squatted team. Um, so that plays in the calculus at some point, but to go into like the windfall of the rest of the sports, like they, like if they do this wrong and funding significantly drops because so much football money is just going towards football and doesn't make its way down, then we're running into a massive issue in terms of opportunities for athletes as well. So mm -hmm. they, they, that has to be part of the calculus in terms of what, the conferences decide to do what ADs decide to do, um, how the networks decide to figure this out because they, because I mean, they, the, I mean, as we've seen this past year, the women's softball championship got more than the guys by the, about a yeah, million the baseball championship. It's, so, and, and that, I mean, and that was almost his first time ever winning too. Like this was a first time let's get everybody on board and see this. Like I had friends that are boosters that flew to Omaha for that. And it still drew a million fans less on TV than repeat winner Oklahoma. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot to be said of the momentum of women's sports and just the stuff that hasn't been exactly raking in the dollars historically, but they have to keep that supported or else they're going to have a massive issue up front here. So that's, while it's not the football fun, let's play fantasy football or like play franchise mode on your Madden game or your NCAA game and rearrange everything to your liking it's a very important part here that uh, we don't have any answers for yet, but if they don't keep that heavily in front of mind at the same time, a lot of this may not be able to happen too. Right. And, and it's not like Georgia tech is a program that's getting hundreds of millions of dollars in contributions every year. Right. We've talked cool. about sort of the, the size of the fan base and how that affects Georgia tech's ability to, you know, adjust their budget and balance their budget. And again, caveat coming from the um, financial report for FY21, but they had $7.7 .7 million in athletic uh, contributions for this 
fiscal year or this past fiscal year. Um, I don't have the rest of the reports in front of me to compare it, but I mean, between that level of contribution um, and the amount of money that they're just getting for media rights, if you have a situation like conference realignment where those things are under threat, because maybe people aren't more willing to donate if and buy tickets if the if you're in a tier two league, right? Uh, maybe your uh, media rights revenue drops if it's cut in half, let's say, by going to a tier two league, uh, because media rights is a zero sum game. There's only so much money that ESPN and Fox can put into the product, right? Right. I I am with you. I think I I am concerned for the long term health of some of the non-football programs. And I think it, it hits on one thing that I've been thinking of during this whole realignment thing. And Jake, I know you have a bunch of thoughts on this, so I wanted to let you go in a bit. But the it, especially because Georgia Tech football is not having a good time right now, it's doubly hurtful because we've seen some of these non, non-rep programs for Tech have such good seasons, right? Like they had... You had Georgia, uh, you had softball have make the tournament for the first time in a, in a number of years. You had volleyball make the tournament for a number of times in a few years and make a really deep run. You had baseball have an uneven year, but they still made the tournament and they made, they, they gave it a, a puncher's chance, right? They, um, golf went to the NCAA championship. All of these other teams, I, women's basketball the last two years has had really good seasons. So it, it, it makes, it, it's sort of infuriating that the, worst performing sport or one of the worst performing sports is the tail wagging the dog here right and and it's like very frustrating to someone who is seeing sort of the that sort of thing like the the i i have enjoyed all of these other programs why does it have to be that these are getting screwed so that the golden goose that is honestly very sickly right now has to continue laying eggs right i get I get vastly more entertainment out of volleyball in particular, uh, but also softball or baseball or either basketball team than watching mediocre to terrible football. Maybe it's because football is more prominent on the national stage. And so accordingly, it's just that kind of, uh, that kind of ah moment, or, you know, maybe it's me knowing that I'm paying a, a high price for a bad product when, you know, if you're if you're only paying 65 bucks for a volleyball season ticket, you go, ah, I get 20 games. You know, I'll see some wins. I'll see some losses. But like in terms of in terms of the tail wagging the dog thing, like it's the same general frustration I have as just a guy who writes about non-rep sports as people who who podcast about everything and try to be holistic in the sense where you, you go on Twitter and, and you see football recruiting, you see football prognostication, you see football money. You see football having to need new facilities. You see football driving realignment. You see money, 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 which is just code for football. And if so, fact so, here we are. And, and, and I think all that does is do a disservice to like the, the point, right? And, and maybe you can say, oh, D3's got it right. Or maybe you could say, oh, the Ivy League's got it right or whatever. But look at them. They're, they have, have stood by their principles to the point where it's, making them more and more irrelevant right in the national sporting scene like sure yeah the big 10 academics matter blah 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 whatever but like we could we can point to any number of places where the big 10 openly shows us such as you know last week that uh you know if they if they truly cared about the athlete experience or they truly cared about you know academics it wouldn't be money and football money and and a tv network driving their their realignment choices and 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 i agree i I think that's a shame this is where i'm going to force a plug uh to like i said uh or alluded to earlier volleyball season tickets they're 65 dollars. you get like 20 home matches it's the best value in sports in atlanta i I would argue the entire city um if you are looking for just a, a you know good good fun good good entertainment great way to spend a friday or a sunday or sometimes a a different day you know, that's, that's the place to do it. It's, it's a fantastic environment and, you know, you can't stick your head in the sand. Like something's going to change. Something's going to give for conference realignment, whether that's somebody joining at the ACC, somebody leaving the ACC. I don't know what that, that answer is. None of us do. None of us do like, and 90% of the 
probably 99% of the people that you see tweeting about it, they don't know either. So yeah, it, it's a bit of a stick your head in the sand, go buy your women's basketball, men's basketball, volleyball, whatever tickets, or go to a tennis match next spring. But like at the end of the day, the fact that it's football that drives the bus is a cultural thing. It is a immovable thing, I would argue, unless you get rid of it, unless you're in in the world where you're a, a Missouri Valley basketball school first and foremost, or a Big East basketball school first and foremost, or somehow pull off having FCS football, but big time, you know, basketball like Villanova. Um, it it's really it's sadly not something that I think is going to be, uh, there are ways to solve it, but I don't think that's palatable to people. And, you know, uh, until that happens, we have to, we have to ride it out because the things that are going to give are either we get realigned, realignment forces changes upon us, uh, at, or we have to make some sort of drastic decision to improve our football stock, to be in a point where we can drive the bus more than it feels like we are now. Cause right now that ain't happening. Like if, if it's about, product and and the results you know maybe ucla shows or even usc shows that it's not always about merit but it even if it's not about merit i think that that does us even a little bit worse right because yeah i don't know like we're, we're we're not unc we're not clemson we're not florida state like these are bigger brands with more eyeballs and more money uh yeah we got a lot of academic money but i don't know yeah, and I mean, this is where some of the over the lack of oversight on a maybe federal or whatever level that covers everything here is really hurting. Because I think in any if you did this with some sort of like oversight board, you would have some sort of protections for the athletes in terms of like, okay, how does this work? If you got to travel four thousand miles for a two-hour game, and then you fly right back, like just the little things like that are if they don't really buckle down and figure this out, are going to get glossed over because we don't have something to protect that yeah and that gets lost in the crossfire right matt and, and again to quote matt brown like or to at least uh echo some of his sentiments uh, right now ucla is traveling to ucla gymnastics is has to fly commercial to like uh columbus or brunswick new jersey right that's like insane that's just insane it's just like wh- who does that serve right you, you're the you're, airlines <laughs> well they're getting served a lot right yep. now to be fair but I, I think it's just very frustrating when you have all of these decisions being made based on these capital b brands and specifically keyed on football when the point of a college athletics program is to be holistic and be more more engaged in all parts of that sports ecosystem rather than really make the, the tail wagging the dog so hard it's fur falls off yeah right it, i i think now we're kind of going in circles on it but I, that's just where oh, i'm yeah. at it's just immensely frustrating as someone I, maybe my tune would change if georgia tech is coming off a seven win season or a nine win season right if we're coming off an orange bowl season maybe i'm a little bit more positive about this and i I, I don't want to speak for both of you, but maybe we are right as a collective. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, think we are a little hurts. bit. Yeah, I think we are as a fan base still a little too blinded by the last three years. Like if you let's if you expand the viewpoint there, from from beyond to like taking Coach Paul's tenure, like we were like good every year. We were kind of like a we were kind of like the Rams eight and eight every year in the sense of the ACC and just every once in a while not as good. Every once in a while winning Orange Bowls. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of still, there's still a lot of historical and institutional inertia that tech still has that just with a lot of heavy recency bias and horrible feelings is not making us as optimistic about how this, how we land on our feet here. Um, I never answered the, what I feel part of what I think, what I feel about how this plays for tech, what I feel, this kind of is also a think, but also like, okay, this makes sense. Us going to the Big Ten to actually put a, the- a theory down for Tech to land somewhere makes sense for both a little bit more than I think we think because the SEC does not need Atlanta, or they don't need us to get Atlanta. They already have Atlanta. Bama is basically just Atlanta's se- second home. They're here every year. They got the SEC championship every year and the Peach Bowl. They're fine. They don't need us to make that any stronger for them. 
the Big Ten would be heavily incentivized to get the Atlanta market as a base every year to have games because there's a lot of Big Ten folks around here uh, that they're not tapping into because they just don't play here um, outside of the Big Ten ACC Challenge every other year when a basketball team shows up. So that's pretty I – th- I think that in theory makes sense. That's ignoring all the parts we just talked about for the last 25 minutes about everything else that's not the football. So uh, – but I think that's I, I, in terms of like, okay, name an idea for us. That's one that I am not opposed to if it were to happen. All right, boys. Uh, I was scrolling Twitter on the side because I figured that I would run into something I hadn't seen yet. Uh, as of yesterday, Bavada has odds for the Big Ten and SEC's uh, next school to accept an invitation. Oh, uh, your Big Ten uh, odds that you can get Notre Dame plus 150, Oregon plus 150, Washington plus 600, Kansas plus 1400, Cincy plus 1500, North Carolina plus 2000, Arizona plus 1800, Duke plus 2000, uh, Oklahoma State plus 2000, uh, Stanford plus 2000, Hughes plus 2500, California plus 2000, while the SEC, it's a much much shorter list, Clemson plus 250, Miami plus 325, FSU plus 250, Louisville plus 500, Baylor plus 500, Oklahoma State plus 600, Cincinnati plus 750, and that's the end of the list. I like those Baylor odds. I like those Baylor odds. Notably, there's a school that you didn't mention in either list, huh? Yep, that's exactly why I thought this was relevant to us. (laughs) But I will say those ACC Big Ten odds are surprisingly long outside of Notre Dame while being shockingly short on the SEC side. And I, I don't know, like I, I hear like, you know, the, the whole SEC schools are going to collude to keep schools from the same state out. And so like, Oh, Clemson, Miami, Florida state, Louisville, that sounds sus Baylor, Oklahoma state sounds a little Georgia sus, Tech. but I think, I think that's first and foremost, a pretty blatantly the UGA crew, not, letting us back the last time we tried to rejoin the conference, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to clarify on that point, there was a vote in what 91 when the sec went through its first round of expansion before Mm -hmm. the sec title game happened that you probably know more about the vote and what happened there than I do. So please explain what happened there. Uh, Well, basically the powers that be said no tech you can't it's not a it's not a democracy right to get to get led into well it's a super a majority it's a super majority and in the power structure of the sec kentucky florida uh the university of georgia um those are going to be your particular uh ones but they, they've long had a we're not going to let in a uh a school from from the same state um obviously with South Carolina being much newer they're not really like old Boise network in the sense of that past vote because they really didn't even join the SEC until 90 uh, or 91 anyways but um, but yeah no it's it's very much a long established thing even to the point where uh, you know the 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 Dodd and Bear Bryant uh, you know style power brokers can't can't overcome that so I will, I guess, note that Texas A&M had to approve Texas's, well, they, I guess they could have voted against if there were X number of other votes, but Texas A&M had to effectively have some power over that. And it didn't, they didn't get a whip enough votes to block Texas from entering. So you could run into a situation where now the voting pool is diluted enough that it, none of those schools can continue their gentlemen's agreement, right? I, I um, still think Jack's point is too strong to overcome, though. We don't really offer that. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. 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 That yeah. that is very true. So that overlook that belies the whole point. But um, it's possible, let's say. It's uh, yeah, we're still, we, uh, through all this, we're still in the, we have no idea what's dropping next part of this. We have yeah. the, uh, 10 year down the line ideas of like the okay nothing always now will be the same but 
the actual nitty gritty details of what that means in our day to day as sports fans. Yeah, we don't, we don't have that yet. Yeah, it's all. I think I feel I know for yep. the most part. Uh, Jake, do you have any final thoughts on where tech lands in all this? At this point, I've seen too much speculation, including some of those crazy odds um, from Bovada to just feel comfortable other than saying all of this is uh, I feel and I think I, I don't think any of us really know. Well, how succinct was that? Perfect. For once, Jake is succinct. You know, you've left him speechless media markets. Uh, Mr. Purdy, any final notes before we wrap up today? Yeah, we said we would come back on Kubai, and so here we are. Uh, she did get cut by the New York Liberty, or waived by the New York Liberty, I want to say a week and a half ago at this point. Forgot what the specific day was, but um, for those that pay attention to the WNBA, this wasn't a surprise at all. They, She basically, for how they played, she would basically play like a, a center power forward role. I mean, similar to what she played at Tech, but far more just secluded to the paint and rebounding, and they've got two girls taller than her and way stronger than her, at least at the moment. Uh, so she just was filling in a role that just the Liberty just did not need filled at, at this moment. And they're, they kind of play a warriors esque kind of thing uh, where they just have a lot of outside shooting and just d- didn't need her as much. Uh, so she is still unsigned as of now, I, at least on her Instagram, she's actually been in Atlanta this past week uh, as well. I saw she was in the, she was at the, uh, the, what the, uh, the Zellner, what do you call it? The, whatever that Zellner practice facility, the Zellner, that's what it is. Yes, yes, yes. So I know he's, I know she was around for a little bit and hanging around town. Uh, so hopefully, I I think she'll she'll get back into a league at some. There's no way she's not going to be playing, at, in some league. Maybe she's waiting to go back to Europe, which that league starts around that that league tracks like the fall, winter, spring cycle, not the spring through summer cycle. Uh, so she may be waiting for that to go back. She did say she does have a contract to play for an Italian team already, for what is the WNBA offseason. So my guess is she may just be training for that at this point. Uh, don't actually know for sure, but that to say our. W, our first WNBA draft pick in a number of years is no longer in the WNBA, which set, which is sad, but we're really glad we got to see her at least for 22 seconds at the gateway center about a month ago. Womp womp. Uh, uh, Jake, any other items for you? Um, not in particular. It's been a pretty, pretty quiet week for me other than, uh, you know, going to first MLB game of the season last night and getting absolutely drenched in the eighth. Uh, when when the rain, <laughs> but oh well. How good was that Michael Harris night, though? My goodness. I mean, it, the ball was flying out of the park in general. I'll tell you it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Braves doing well right now. I'm very excited about the next couple of months and being uh, two games, two and a half games back in the Mets. Mm-hmm. Sets up for a saucy finish. Anyway, I think that is about us. That is about it for us this week. Mr. Grant, why don't you take us home? Yeah, that'll be uh, at FTRS blog for all your Twitter needs. Uh, you know, comment and uh, and like and retweet. Let us know your thoughts on, on this. You know, you can leave a comment on the uh, actual site itself. Uh, your subscriptions and your feedback really do drive uh, what we aim to do here. So, so keep it up. Uh, in terms of other ways to find us, you can also drop us an email at from the rumble seat at gmail.com. Uh, Jack is at Jack Nicholas on Twitter. I am Jake Grant 98. And for that, for Akshay and Jack, this is Ben Sions of the Southland. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.